Welcome to Love, Lead, Listen, a podcast from Alpha Gamma Delta. I'm your host, Emily Bice. Join us as we discuss topics that affect women of today and examine the ways that we can be women with purpose. Hello there and welcome back to Love, Lead, Listen. This week's guest is someone you might know from our most recent quarterlies, Cheyenne Baker. She is a performance coach who loves to express her thoughts through writing and Insta story rants. She specializes in helping recent college grads try to navigate the real world through her signature program, The Graduate School. Cheyenne is an alumna of Alpha Gamma Delta's Pi chapter at Coe College. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. So Cheyenne, can you tell me a little bit about why you're into performance coaching? Yeah, so um, specifically, I work with women in their 20s, early 30s, um, women who are dealing with what we call the quarter-life crisis or the post-grad scaries. I have given myself the title of performance coach because I want to speak to the woman who is extremely driven, extremely motivated, probably told to tone it down in meetings, um, loves leadership roles is very high octane and the title performance coach speaks specifically to her. This was kind of birthed out of my own experience with the post-grad series and my own quarter-life crisis happening at the same exact time. I love that term post-grad scaries. I haven't heard that before. No, maybe I'm just like out of touch, but I love that term post-grad scaries. And it like explains like what a postgraduate feels because you you're out in the real world and it's like, what do I do now? Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to encapsulate when I was thinking about like, what is a term that kind of describes fully what's going on? And I kept coming back to Sunday Scaries because I also wanted to come up with something that was kind of trendy um, so that it would speak to that age demographic. And I was like, Sunday Scaries, Sunday Scaries. Well, I guess the timing after grad would be post-grad, so post-grad Scaries. Um, And then when I started to do some like market research, I saw a couple people using it, but it's not as widespread as I thought it would be. Yeah. Well, it definitely describes that feeling. How did you feel when you first graduated college and you're out in the real world? I was devastated to be modest. My entire life, I've held many leadership roles. I've constantly been told that I'm very well um, established and well accomplished for my age. And I really felt that pressure toward the end of senior year, like, okay, well, what are you doing? Um, What's your next step? And I didn't have a next step. (laughs) Um, I had applied to a lot of places and just didn't get any of the responses that I thought I was going to get. At the same time, I knew that I wanted to move to Nashville, which was this big lofty dream of mine that I've had for several years. Wasn't really sure how that was going to happen, but circumstances led to me coming down here. Um, I was unemployed for three months, which was a very long time for me (laughs) because I had been so accustomed to having several jobs at a time. Um, My freshman year, there was a point where I had four jobs on top of my already full course load. So sitting still for three months was just traumatic for me. And I still felt that devastation of like, going on Insta or Facebook and seeing all of these people that I'd grown with have these dream jobs. And I was just like a sitting duck. So (laughs) that's how I kind of felt after post-grad. 
I feel like a lot of recent graduates right now are probably feeling that too, especially with just the employment market being what it is. There's a lot of uh, post-grad scaries out there, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, it's already a tough time to be, you know, just graduating and figuring things out, but then you throw a pandemic on top of that and it's just awful. Yeah, I can't imagine. Well, we just kind of mentioned the pandemic a little bit, but right now it really feels like the world is just constantly changing. And something that a lot of people recommend to postgrads is making some long-term plans. Do you think that there's still value in that advice? There absolutely is value in making long-term plans, but the way that I coach my clients on uh, making long-term plans helps them to get away from this idea of having things to be perfect and more towards striving for excellence through adopting feelings of flexibility and just really going with the flow, but having sort of a sketch, an outline, a skeleton, if you will, um, to what you're shooting for, that really helps. So for someone that is in this post-grad moment where they don't know where to go or how to even start, what would you recommend to them for starting their own long-term goals? Um, So the way that I teach goal setting for my clients is starting with the feeling. So instead of you sitting down and being like, okay, I want to be a millionaire by 30, take a step back and think about how you would feel as a millionaire by 30. So what are the feelings that you're going after? Because oftentimes, what I found is that when we set these big lofty goals, we're not really going after that goal we're going after the feeling of arriving at that goal. So when you sit down and you think about how you want to feel, then you can open up the door of opportunity. You can expand your mind to multiple kinds of possibilities for ways that you can achieve those feelings without necessarily going after this one thing that you had in mind in the beginning. So you're saying go after the feeling, not the result? Yes. Interesting. So do you think that the feeling is more important than the job title or whatever it may be? Absolutely. Because there have been so many times in my life where I've had this expectation of, okay, let's say my own experience with my career. My degree is in communication studies. My background is in public relations and marketing. I really, really thought that I was going to go into healthcare marketing, especially coming to Tennessee. Nashville is a a big healthcare hub. And I had an internship in healthcare marketing and and really loved it, enjoyed it, thought that, you know, this would be my avenue. Um, But I get down here and I start working for a tech company, like a tech startup that was based in in San Diego or San Francisco. Um, And so I thought that that was going to be my forever. But when I sat down after leaving that tech startup, I really thought about it. I was like, you know, it's not really the job title that I'm after. It's this feeling of fulfillment that I'm after. And so one day I had a recruiter reach out to me on LinkedIn and offer me a role in finance surveillance. (laughs) So that's completely different than what I imagined for myself. But the door of opportunity was open. And who can say no when a door is open in front of you? Yeah. It's like take that jump right there. Yeah. When you think of those long-term goals and you start off with that feeling, what do you think is the next step from identifying that feeling and saying, okay, that's how I want to feel in 10 years? So this is my favorite part. This is what I call the exploration stage. 
So this is where we start to explore different ways to get to that feeling. I preach a lot about self-care. In the crux of my postgrad series, I thought that Prosecco and face masks were going to be my cure-all. And so I would come home after a day of work or come home after not being successful with a job interview and be like, well, I guess I'll just have a face mask and, you know, a bottle of whatever. That's just, that's the truth of what my experience was. But then I would wake up the following morning and maybe have a slight headache or, you know, my skin would be soft, but I still felt empty on the inside, really. And so I started to explore different ways of taking care of myself that encompass all parts of who I am. And, and that's where we get to define who, who is Cheyenne, who is Emily, you know, and self-care that I preach is not just a bottle of wine, a bubble bath or a face mask. It's taking care of your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit, all of those parts of yourself so that you can actually show up ready to tackle the day or ready to tackle whatever goal that you're after. It feels like when you start, it's you identify this feeling and then it's how do you take care of yourself to get there? Mm -hmm. So how can you create those feelings that you're after in the different avenues of self-care mentally? So if you want a job that's mentally challenging, how can you embody that in your own self-care routine? For me personally, what I've started to do is find different articles online and actually read them. Or if I see that someone in that that I follow on Instagram is doing a dissertation or something of that sort, I'll reach out and ask to read their piece. So that way I'm still expanding my mind, but not necessarily in the collegiate experience. Yeah, that's such a good way of thinking about it. And it's such a long-term way of thinking about it too. So as part of that, you I'm sure you start it and then you do it a few times, but how do you regulate yourself as you're going through this process of making yourself feel the certain way to get to the certain goal? Okay, I absolutely love this question. I just got excited. So sorry. <laughs> um, but two things. One, bullet journaling. Um, that's a little neurotic. And sometimes it scares people. But it really is a customizable way of tracking yourself. So if you are in the exploration stage, and you've never done meditation, or you've not done yoga that, you know, it doesn't go past 15 minutes or whatever. You can just list those things and then check them off as you do them. And that's been extremely helpful for me, especially when I'm trying something new, um, because oftentimes it's hard to integrate something new in the middle of you trying to figure things out. And like you already have this crazy, hectic schedule. The second thing is monthly journaling. So I do a monthly journal check-in where I ask myself four questions. First question what are goals that or what are accomplishments I can celebrate from the last month? Second question, any areas of improvement? So this is where I can just be honest with myself, removing judgment and just being objective. Like this is where you kind of messed up, Cheyenne. <laughs> this is where we can, you know, rein it in a little bit. Then the third question is where, really where I'm listing my goals or what, what I'm after for the next month. And then the fourth question is, did you try anything new that you want to continue for the next month? And that's how I check in with myself. This is uh, a journal prompt that I give my clients and it works really well because we're removing the judgment from it and we're just being objective about what's happened and what we want to happen. 
I feel like a lot of times we get into this mentality that you have to journal every day. And while it has some benefits, I am the type of person where I'll do that for like a week and then forget. But I like that it's once a month. So it's not, it doesn't feel like a hassle in a way. Yeah, I do it at the beginning of every month. So either on the very last day of the month or the very first day. Um, And then I do schedule a mid-month check-in. So like the 15th or the 16th, um, depending on what day it falls on, just to see like how I'm progressing throughout the month. Am I actually integrating the things that I, I said I wanted to? Or am I actually reining in on the areas of improvement that I identified from, from last month? One thing that you mentioned is that the the thing that you tried that you would keep doing. I love that because it's almost like ending it on a positive note or reinforcing something positive that you've done. Yes. And I love this question at the end because it helps to, well, let me back up a bit. One of my top five values is adventure. Um, I'm a bit of a thrill seeker. Um, Probably by the time that this uh, episode is aired, I will have taken my first skydive. Uh, (laughs) I was just about to say I'm a thrill seeker, but like I won't go skydiving. So (laughs) you're going to like that completely blew me out of the water. (laughs) Yeah, I'm doing it this weekend. Um, But yeah, so adventure is one of my top five values and I'm constantly looking for different ways to be adventurous and it doesn't have to be something as big as skydiving it could just be something as small as I tried this new breath work technique and you know I didn't really vibe with it but I tried something new and I think that that's so crucial for this age group is letting go of the rigidity that we've been socialized into like we've been raised since kindergarten to think that we have to have this specific career trajectory when that's not the truth. And I think that the society that we're living in now, like we see, you know, people being successful in ways that weren't available in say 2002, like having friends that are social media influencers or bloggers, like that's wild. (laughs) So it really reinforces this idea that you can try something new and that, you know, doing so will expand your mind and broaden your horizons. So when you say that we're in the exploratory phase, what comes after that? What's the next part of this whole journey? So this is where I sit down and actually create a plan with the client. And I say, okay, yes, we've identified how we want to feel and we've gone through exploring I also want to say that some sometimes these things happen simultaneously. So it's not just like we're going along and we're checking boxes. These things happen at the same time. So then I sit down and I ask them, okay, well, do you still want to be a millionaire by 30? Yes. But instead of just going after this specific dollar sign, they now have feelings and emotions attached to it. So now they have some determination behind that goal. And so then we start to reverse engineer how to get there. So, okay, working a nine to five, and I know (laughs) entrepreneur Twitter will probably come after me for this because (laughs) there is so much push these days to not have a nine to five and, you know, having the boring corporate life, like it's almost become a swear word. But we, we sit down and we talk about, okay, well, 
having a nine to five corporate job, like, is that going to get you to your mark? And this is where we become methodical with the approach. Like we can sit down and crunch numbers and figure out based on your base salary, plus any bonuses you may incur, like, is this a possibility? And if it's not, then we can objectively say like, well, what are other ways that you can make money? And here's where the creative part of my brain loves to tinker is figuring out creative ways to get there. And I I realize now that I've just used, you know, the um, millionaire by 30 (laughs) as an example um, throughout the entire episode, but I like it. We can keep going with it if you want. (laughs) Hey, I want to be a millionaire by 30. So let's do this. (laughs) Yes. One thing that you mentioned a little earlier was this idea of letting go of being perfect. Can you tell me a little bit more about that and why that's important to this whole long-term goal planning? Yes. So the perfectionism cycle is broken down into five stages. The first stage is when you're very high vibe. You're just like, oh my God, I have all the energy. I am Kris Jenner. I can get everything done. Um, the second stage is when you're implementing whatever plan you've concocted. The third stage is when either an outside force or um, something external happens that kind of knocks you out of your square point being it's out of your control or you slip up and you don't follow your perfect plan to the perfect T. Um, and this kind of knocks you off of your square a little bit. The fourth stage is when you're like, okay, I have this perfect plan, but because this one thing happened, I'm kind of knocked off kilter and I can't really get back on the horse. I can't really get back to what it was supposed to be. And then the fifth stage is you experiencing burnout. So this is where you are extremely tired. Your eyes hurt. You are on the verge of tears at every moment, like someone dropping a fry could make you cry. (laughs) Fries are pretty good. So that is a warranted response. (laughs) That was very specific. It happened in real life, but it's fine. We're fine. We're moving forward. (laughs) (laughs) So that is the perfectionism cycle. And I like to break it down in, you know, these terms, because based on what we're seeing in the media and what we've been seeing in the media is that perfectionists are only A-type people, only people that show up on time all the time. And that, you know, there's this perfect image of the perfectionist when most people deal with perfectionism in one of those five ways. And so the key here is to figure out what stage of the perfectionism cycle you're on. And then through my coaching, I help equip my clients with tools to get them out of that cycle at whatever stage. So if you can catch your perfectionism cycle in stage one, that would be great. But if you also have the tools to identify how perfectionism shows up for you in the burnout stage, that can be pivotal for you and really help you um, reassess what's going on and continue on this path of success instead of just giving up and being like, oh, crap, I screwed up another goal and then scratching everything and starting all over again. So when you get to that point where you want to scratch everything and start all over again, obviously, that is not good for your long term goals. But are there other detriments to perfectionism to the other parts of your goals? Yeah, so definitely. There are other ways that perfectionism can show up. Um, A lot of times, like I said, people think that perfectionism is just this 
perfect idea of constantly only showing up, only having the best project submission, whatever. However, um, it can also prevent you from taking action at all. So a lot of times I see clients get stuck in stage one, which is the planning process. So they're sitting there and they're trying to draft this perfect plan, but they don't realize that they've just spent six months trying to plan something that could have taken them a month to accomplish. Um, And so being stuck in trying to create the perfect plan, for example, really hinders you from taking any action. I always say that messy action is better than no action because a lot of people can say a lot of things, you know, they can say, Oh, I want to do this. And I want to be that. And I want to be a millionaire by 30. But like, if you're just sitting around on the couch, watching TV and eating potato chips and not actually doing anything to get you there, then how are you going to get there? The universe isn't just going to drop the million dollars in your lap. (laughs) That criminal minds marathon is not going to get you there. (laughs) It won't. It serves a purpose, but it just, it's not productive in terms of getting you towards your goal. So what for you personally has been your best tool in pursuing your long-term goals? (laughs) Self-care. And again, the way that I preach self-care is taking care, tending to all parts of yourself. So in the crux of my post-grad series, figuring out ways to take care of myself mentally, taking care of my mental health through journaling and getting back do therapy finally thank god i needed it we love the therapy it's important (laughs) yes if you just want to scream for 45 minutes i mean of course you can like call or facetime your mom or your girlfriends but having a professional to scream at like that's next level um taking care of my physical health um actually working out it looks a lot different now than when i first started that process but working out, moving my body in some way that just tends to taking care of myself physically, spiritually, um, taking care of, you know, how I navigate this world in a spiritual sense that has been extremely helpful. Just integrating all of these practices. And again, it looks completely different um, than when I first started, but taking inventory really of just what's happened and anything new that I've tried um, and kind of braiding it into how I take care of myself. The holistic approach seems like it's key here. Yeah. And gratitude. How can I forget gratitude? (laughs) I start every single day with a gratitude practice. And again, it looks different than when I first started. When I first started, I would be very neurotic about having to list 10 things. Now I just intuitively list whatever comes to my brain. And then I close it out with positive affirmations. Um, You could call them anything really. Sometimes I call them prayers. So it, it just really depends on what practicing gratitude looks like for you. The idea or the goal with practicing gratitude is shifting your perspective and shifting your focus away from the crappy things that are currently happening to what is the beauty that's around me and what beauty can I create for myself in the future? How can I manifest that? I truly love that. It's, and I think it's even more important now than ever before when it feels like everything's kind of falling apart, taking that time and practicing that gratitude and those practices that you just mentioned can make a world of difference. Yeah, for sure. Cause I mean, 
some really crappy things have happened in 2020 and I've, I've experienced heartbreak this year. I've experienced in, in multiple facets, career, um, family, emotionally, having my own dark night of the soul. <laughs> I'm being a little dramatic here, but um, some really crappy things have happened in 2020, but some really beautiful, amazing opportunities and doors have been open this year alone for me. And truthfully, I don't think that it would have happened without me adopting having not rose colored glasses, but just more of a positive outlook on life. Yeah. Well, we're at the part of our podcast where we like to ask every guest one question. If you've listened to Wow, you probably know what this is, but what is your purpose? My mom has this saying that she raised my sister and I on each one, reach one, each one, teach one. So my purpose is not only to go through this life and experience whatever I'm put here to experience, but to reach back and find how the crappy thing that I just went through, how can it impact and help someone else? I love that. That's such a holistic way of looking at the world almost. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. If our listeners want more of you and more of your content, where should they go? Yeah, I hang out a lot on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram at amusing underscore millennial. That's A-M-U-S-I-N-G underscore M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L. Love that. And do you have a website or anything? I do. My website is amusingmillennial.com. Love it. Just all one. Just have to remember amusing millennial. Well, thank you again for being here. This is great. I know I've learned a lot and I hope our listeners have too. Love, Lead, Listen is recorded and produced at Alpha Gamma Delta International Headquarters and is generously funded by the Alpha Gamma Delta Foundation. Episodes are released every two weeks, so make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss out on any of our episodes. If you like this show, make sure to rate us five stars on iTunes and don't forget to share it with your friends. If you have an idea for a future episode or any other feedback, send us an email at podcast at alphagammadelta.org. I'm your host, Emily Weiss, and that's all for today. See you next time.